Hello, and welcome to the Policy Matters podcast. This edition is addressing the reanimation of the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force federal contractor guidance around COVID-19. There's been some activity in this space recently. I am Scott Hecker, Senior Counsel in DC, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleague, partner, Adam Lasky in our Seattle office. And we wanted to discuss a little bit about what's going on in this space for our federal contractor clients and interested employers. So recently, the 11th Circuit, back in August, I guess it was, narrowed the nationwide injunction over EO uh, Executive Order 14042, which put in place a number of COVID risk mitigation protocols, including a vaccine mandate for federal contractor employees. There remain a number of other injunctions in place throughout the country, but this was the nationwide injunction that a lot of folks were looking to. And Adam, I know you've looked at this decision and have some thoughts on its breadth and, and sort of what changed here. If you're willing, it would be great to get your thoughts. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. So I think we were advising a lot of our clients that based on the oral arguments in this the 11th Circuit decision, which was the first of all the appellate court cases to get to oral argument and still is the only one with a decision, that it was likely to very likely that the injunction was going to be narrowed from being a nationwide injunction. I, I can't say we expected it to be narrowed in the way it was. It was extremely narrowed as to the plaintiff states, rather than just a lot of these injunctions are narrowed in the sense of they were issued for any contractors in the state or contracts in the state. This was narrowed to just the plaintiff states as contractors. So if you are a contractor in Georgia, you are not covered by this injunction. But if you are the state of Georgia and you are contracting with the government, you are covered by this injunction now still. On the flip side, the reason this was a nationwide injunction and the others were not nationwide injunctions was because there was an interest group, the Associated Builders and Contractors, which is a national construction interest group, who was a plaintiff in this case. And that was the basis for why this was issued as a nationwide injunction, because it's a nationwide interest group. The 11th Circuit left the nationwide injunction in place for the ABC as it pertained to all of ABC's members. So essentially... It is almost a complete non-injunction, except for members of ABC, in which case it's a nationwide injunction. There's also one other loop to it. Essentially, all the parties agreed that if there was an injunction that stayed in place for ABC, it should, or, or really any of the parties, it would not be equitable if those parties were essentially competing against other parties who were not subject to the injunction. And so the decision says is essentially there still is a nationwide injunction in the context of a procurement process where one of the plaintiffs and the plaintiffs being one of the states or a member of ABC is bidding on the contract. Now, you wouldn't actually know that if you were another bidder. So I'm not entirely sure. Currently, everything is still on hold. But if the government does implement this as that's set forth, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to do that. It'll be very complicated. They would essentially have to announce. It'll be very complicated. I won't predict. Yeah, and we're, we're recording this uh, right after Halloween. And I, I said, I referred to the reanimation here. It feels a little bit like Frankenstein, uh, the way these things are all kind of sewn together and, and the various parts that are at play. And even that one decision, as you noted, is crazy. And then there are a number of other ones out there some of which apply to states, like you said, and others right. apply to contractors in those states. 
So it took a little bit of time, but I think it was mid-October when OMB, the Office of Management Budget, basically an arm of the White House, noted on the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force website the response that the government was going to take here. They'd basically been in a non-enforcement position of the executive order and the risk mitigation protocols that the task force had put out for an extended period of time, you know, coming up on a year, really, since the Georgia decision that issued the nationwide injunction. But so um, the OMB and the task force outlined a three-step process to, you know, adjust its enforcement position, its enforcement posture. And those three steps involve notification from OMB to federal agencies regarding, among other things, compliance with applicable injunctions and whether contract clauses implementing the executive order should be included in new solicitations and contracts. That's actually happened. OMB issued that on October 19th and said, agencies, don't do anything yet. Okay, that was a bit of a nothing burger, as uh, one of our colleagues keeps referring to it with me. But we're in the second step now where the task force is considering updated COVID-19 safety protocols for covered contractors and subcontractors. So that'll be looked at, you know, that'll be developed. And then OMB will review that to determine whether it promotes economy and efficiency in federal contracting, which is what's required under the Procurement Act. And that determination would be published in the Federal Register. If that happens, if OMB says, yep, there's economy and efficiency here, it will provide additional guidance to agencies on timing and considerations for provision of notice from agencies to contractors regarding the enforcement of those clauses. Again, right now, we're still in a place where OMB has said, don't change anything, don't add the clause, don't enforce the clause. But there are a couple more steps that we're likely to see, again, with number one already been accomplished and the task force now presumably working on its updates to the guidance. Uh, I know, Adam, you've thought a bit about what we might expect to see from the government on this front, even though right now there hasn't been substantive change in the enforcement posture or position. What do you think government contractors should be looking out for with regard to this clause and implementation of any risk mitigation protocols? I've always thought the clause, if the government somehow succeeded in the 11th Circuit case, the clause was going to come back in some form or fashion. I think a lot of people didn't, but I don't understand why the government would have gone through all these appeals and is still going through all these appeals if it didn't want to do something with this. Now, I can't fathom that what comes back initially is going to look anything like, let's say the clause itself could look identical or very close to what is currently the FAR deviation clause, the DFARS deviation clause, because that clause doesn't really say anything other than you have to comply with the Safer Workforce Task Force guidance and you have to flow the clause down to your subcontracts. The 11th Circuit decision does, for what is worth, at least to ABC members, say you do not have to comply with the mandate and you do not have to flow the clause down. It doesn't actually necessarily say that you could I mean, I think you certainly can make the argument you can refuse the clause if the government tries to insert it, but it doesn't necessarily say that outright. But the clause itself was kind of benign. What was very extreme was the guidance that was incorporated by the clause, the Safer Workforce Task Force guidance. And I'm not aware of any, I mean, there probably is, but I'm not aware of any other FAR clauses out there that incorporate a policy that is changeable without any sort of regulatory process by just changing a website. And that's what this is. And there are certainly other FAR clauses that incorporate statutes, incorporate other regulations, but those don't change on a whim. And so 
what's probably going to happen is the Safer Workforce Task Force will come up with a replacement contractor, we'll call it a mandate, call it whatever you want. I don't even think it's likely going to have a vaccine element to it. If it doesn't have a vaccine element to it, by the way, then some of these other injunctions don't even apply because some of the injunctions were limited simply to the vaccine piece and not to the rest of EO 14042. Yeah, and there were questions about that. I remember at least one case, it might have been Louisiana, where it was mentioned that they actually asked for clarification from the judge. And the judge said, uh, this was always clear. It just applies to the vaccine mandate. So you gave like a substantive response, even though he declined to clarify. Yeah, it was very confusing. And I think that, frankly, some of the judges have been confused. And it's not their fault, necessarily. I think the litigation has not necessarily... I'm a government contracts attorney. If I was challenging this, I would have challenged this much different than how it's been challenged. Most of these suits were very, I would say, a little politically charged, maybe, uh, and certainly constitutionally based. But there are some other, you know, more kind of basic issues that from a government contract side with this clause that weren't really the basis for any of these challenges. And so I think that kind of confused some of the judges in some of the injunctions we saw not being that clear. So what we'll probably see is the guidance come back. And I'm assuming it will, you know, Scott and I, we've talked about this and it's probably going to be somewhat analogous to whatever is out there for federal employees. Yep. Maybe there's a vaccine element. I doubt it. But if it were, I can't imagine it's going to extend beyond federal facilities. But the problem is for contractors and why I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm complying with this already. I'm happy to take this clause is because once you have the clause in your contract, if the Safer Workforce Task Force guidance ever changes and becomes a mandate again, a vaccine mandate or the old vaccine mandate that they originally had, you've already agreed to that because you've got the clause in place. Most likely what I would expect is that the guidance is going to have outs in it that more or less say, this does not apply to you if an injunction applies to you. Now, <laughs> that may not be enough based on some of these injunctions, but it may be based on others. So we don't know, but I think that contractors should not be like, oh, it's no big deal. If it comes out and it's just like, you know, wash your hands, you know, s- stuff like that. Right. Well, that's what it is today. But the clause is just malleable because it incorporates something that's on a website that could be changed at any, we don't even know what the process to do the changes. Right. So people should consider if is honestly like this ABC exemption, it's certainly not going to go away anytime soon. If the government appeals the 11th Circuit decision, that appeal is not going to go quickly because there's been no impetus to expedite any of these contractor mandate appeals, unlike the other ones from last year. Yep. And so at least it's going to be around for a long time. I certainly think companies should look at whether it makes sense to be an ABC member if they're concerned about this. And ABC is a construction outfit, but you do not have to be a construction contractor to be a member of ABC. You can be essentially a company that supports the construction industry, a supplier, a service provider, a law firm, an accounting. So that does, I think it's something that companies should look at and just be careful about agreeing to a clause that you may not have a choice ultimately whether to take the clause, depending on what happens here. If you um, want to keep doing business with the government. If you want to keep doing business, but we have no reason to believe that the mandate will expand at this point. And I certainly don't think we're going to see anything happen on this till mid November at the earliest. Yeah, interesting. And so, I mean, I think you sort of alluded to this, but the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force does have implementation guidance and FAQs for agencies on how to implement these risk mitigation protocols that are still in place for federal employees. And I think those are the kinds of things where you're going to want to look 
if you're a government contractor to be prepared. And it's not, as you sort of suggested, maybe the heavy lift of a vaccine mandate or testing in an alternative circumstance, which actually I don't even think testing was an alternative under the federal contractor mandate. It was kind of a full mandate subject to legal accommodations for religious or disability inquiries. But you may have to mask in high transmission areas per CDC's guidance. And to your point, it's a bit of a moving target. You know, not only the injunctions are kind of this Frankenstein's monster, but as you said, if you get this clause in there and then this is reanimated and it becomes stricter down the line because something spikes with one of, I don't remember what subvariant of Omicron we're at now, but if something more develops and they say, oh, we got to tighten this up, you already have that contract in there and suddenly it becomes a contractual obligation for you to execute on whatever the task force currently has posted on its website. So. This is really interesting to us, at least, and hopefully others find it interesting out there in the internet ether. But this has been the Policy Matters podcast, uh, reanimation of the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force Federal Contractor Guidance. And Adam, really appreciate you being here. Anyone Thanks, Scott. Additional, anyone who has additional questions can reach out to either one of us or your favorite friendly neighborhood, Cyfarth attorney. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.